Thanks, Daniel. My name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside, and it's a joy to have all of you here this morning to welcome you here. Thanks for getting up early. It's good for us to gather together. Uh, this morning, I want to start by thinking about something that I think any of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, and that's most of us here this morning, if we consider ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, and especially if we consider ourselves leaders of people who are followers of Jesus Christ, pastors, elders, small group leaders, if we cons- it's important for us to think about the fact that, that the people Jesus had the most trouble with in his day the people Jesus had the most trouble with, with, with were the religious leaders of his day. Those were the people he had conflict with. Those were the, the people, the pastors, the elders, the Bible study leaders. Those were the people Jesus had conflict with. It wasn't with the Romans. I mean, he did fine with them, even though they were the occupying political power. He didn't struggle a lot with the sinners, those who were clearly disobeying God's word. He, he was kind and compassionate with them. He didn't struggle with them. He didn't struggle with the average believer. What he struggled with were the, the religious leaders, the pastors, the, 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 those who taught others. And in his day, the, there were basically three groups that fell into this category. The priests, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees. And if you go through the New Testament, it's amazing to me. And like I say, it's important for us in the church today to recognize that these were the people Jesus struggled with. The good people, the religious people, the people like me, and maybe the people like you. Some of these people, the priests, Sadducees, and Pharisees, some of them were religious professionals. This was their job. They were paid. All right, that's for the the priests and the Sadducees. This was their full-time job. They would be like pastors and and seminary teachers today, Bible college teachers, kind of people who made their money and their job, like me, who make their their life from, uh, their living from, from being a religious leader. Others of them, and the Pharisees fall mostly into this category, were not paid, but they were really religiously serious, okay? They were the ones who set the community standards. They were the ones who served on the synagogue board. They were the ones who upheld the synagogue standards. They were the ones who, who, who were just good and challenging. And, and, and they were doing what they really believed in their hearts God was calling them to do. Now, now some of these were really good, okay? Uh, some of these were good shepherds. In, in the Bible, those who are religious leaders are often called shepherds. And, and we got to recognize, sometimes we say, all the Pharisees were bad, all the Sadducees were bad, all the, the priests were bad, all these religious... No, there were many good ones. There were many of them who, who, who loved God's people, who cared for the flock, who shepherded God's people, who fed them, nurtured them, protected them, did those things. There were so many who did that out of a love for God and a love for God's people. Those were not people Jesus had problems with, but some were not so good. Some of the, the priests, some of the Sadducees, some of the Pharisees, they took advantage of the sheep. They, they, they were supposed to care for them. They were supposed to build them up, but instead they made it all about them. And again, we still have that talk, we talk that way today, right? That a pastor can fleece his flock or fleece her flock. But a pastor can do it in order to make money. A pastor can, can be in the job, a church leader can be in the job to, to make money or, or to control others. Or, or, or to make others look bad, or, or, or to feel superior to others, or to feel really important. And there were a number of those in Jesus' day, a number of these people. And these were the people. Think about it. I think this, the, this practice of shepherds who were taking advantage of the sheep, of leaders who were taking advantage of their people, and especially religious leaders, this ticked Jesus off more than anything else. I, I, I think that should just make us all pause regularly. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, it should make us pause to recognize that Jesus had the biggest problem with the religious leaders of his day. 
with those who, who, who taught others, with those who were called to care for others. Because Jesus was so upset. You see, sheep need caring for. Daniel talked about last week that, that we are all sheep. And, and he pointed out correctly that, that as sheep we are foolish. We don't know where to go. That we are uh, we're defenseless. We can't take care of ourselves. And we're stubborn. And we need shepherds. And what God gave us was shepherds to lead us. Religious leaders to lead us. And when shepherds abuse the sheep... When shepherds fleece the sheep, it makes God more angry, I think, almost than anything else. That when people in in his name abuse others. And so the strongest words Jesus speaks, the biggest condemnation Jesus speaks are to the pastors of his day. Are to the board members of the synagogues of his day. He gets so angry with them in a way he doesn't get angry with anybody else. That happened, as as Daniel said last week, in John chapter 9. We're going to look at John chapter 10, but we need to recognize that in John chapter 9, Jesus has a conflict with some of these bad shepherds. These were Pharisees. Jesus had healed a man born blind, but he did this on a Sabbath. And the Pharisees said, you can't do that. You're breaking the rules. We've got to get you back in line, and you've got to do this. And so they went to the guy, and they said, who did this? And he said, I don't know. I was blind. Now I can see. I don't get it. I just am so thankful for this. And these Pharisees got angry. They found out it was Jesus, and, 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 and they decided that this, told this guy, you've got, you got to denounce Jesus. You've got to say that, that Jesus was, was, is bad, that he disobeyed God's law. And, and, in, and in their own minds, they were convinced they were doing this for God's sake. Right? They were just trying to, to be obedient. They were just trying to get others to be obedient. They were just trying to do what was best for somebody else. But because the man wouldn't denounce Jesus, the Pharisees kicked him out of the synagogue. And Jesus was not happy about this. At the end of that chapter 9, Jesus is saying, you guys are just lousy people. You guys, I cannot believe you do this. You don't see what God... You thought that guy was blind? You're the ones who are blind. And you are damaging the people that you're supposed to care for. And Jesus, in in chapter 10, is still talking to them. Okay, in John chapter 10, as Daniel started off last week, again, is still talking to the bad shepherds. 10 verse 1 says this, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And he says, you know what? If you don't go in by the gate, you're not good. And that's why Jesus was led to say, I am the gate. I'm the gate. And that's what Daniel talked about last week, that Jesus is the only way. He's the only way to get to the Father. He is the gate. We're going to jump ahead 10 verses this morning and look at the next I am statement of Jesus. And and this is, I think, such a powerful statement. Because Jesus looks, and again, he's thinking primarily, speaking first of all to religious leaders. The rest of us are just listening in. And he's listening, he's he's speaking first of all to these people who are shepherding others. And he says, let me tell you something. I, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I'm the one who knows how to take care of sheep. I'm the one who who loves sheep. I'm the one who who, who nurtures them, who feeds them, who brings them to where they're supposed to go. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one who can take care of God's people. I'm the one who can take care of God's flock. And and as we think about that this morning, I want you to think kind of on two levels here, okay? On on two levels here. First of all, I want you to think about Jesus being our shepherd, okay? Because it's a wonderful invitation and comfort 
to all of us foolish, defenseless, stubborn sheep. The fact is, we all need shepherds. As much as you may think you can stand on your own two feet, as much as you may think you don't need somebody else to tell you what to do, we all need shepherds. It's just a question of what shepherd we're going to choose, which shepherd we're going to follow. Jesus says, follow me, because I am the good shepherd. And so I want us to think about what it means to be a sheep under the care of Jesus, the good shepherd. And so on the one hand, this is invitation and comfort. On the other hand, and, and, and this is just for me and for others here, but a huge challenge, Jesus saying I'm the good shepherd is a huge challenge to all of us who shepherd others. It is a huge challenge to say, okay, am I a shepherd like Jesus or am I a shepherd like the Pharisees, the bad ones? What kind of a shepherd am I? Now, those of you who are saying, well, Ron, you're talking to yourself, okay. Can I just say, just to include maybe a few more of you, all parents are shepherds. Okay, you got a kid, you became a shepherd. You are a shepherd of that child. You are leading that child. You got nieces and nephews, you're a shepherd. You lead a small group, you're a shepherd. And you got to ask yourself, what kind of a shepherd am I in those situations, all right? So I want us to think about I, uh, Jesus' statement about what it means for me to belong to that shepherd. But then also, what does it mean for all of us who shepherd later others? And it's basically all of us, if you think about it. We all have people we shepherd. But what kind of shepherds are we to those who are following us? I am the good shepherd. I want to ask one question about it and, and, and just think about it. It's, it's this, what makes for a good shepherd? What, what are the characteristics? What does Jesus tell us about being a good shepherd? What do we need to do to be good shepherds to others? And what kind of a shepherd is Jesus to us? Three things. Three things that we need to do as shepherds. Three things Jesus does for us. First of all, a good shepherd knows his sheep. A good shepherd knows his sheep. Daniel touched on this a little bit last week. But, but in that day, a shepherd would examine every sheep a good one at least, every sheep. After they've been out in the fields for a day, when they're coming into that pen, when they're going through that gate, what that shepherd will do, every sheep will get a once over to see, did anything happen to the sheep today? Did anything break? Did anything get any lice, any ticks or whatever? But a good shepherd will know those sheep. A good shepherd will know so much about his sheep. In fact, I, I, this isn't a pattern for us today, but, but apparently when shepherds in Jesus' day would, would greet each other, it'd be first, well, how are you? Second, how are your sheep? Third, how are your kids? And finally, fourth, how's your wife? Now, I'm not suggesting that we do that, but that's what it was for a shepherd, right? They, 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 they knew their sheep. They cared for their sheep so much. They knew all about them. A good shepherd knows so many things. A good shepherd knows the name of each sheep. I, I, I mean, just knowing the name of each sheep. They weren't just numbers, they were sheep. They, they were his flock. The shepherd knows the name. The shepherd knows the needs and the struggles of each sheep. Which sheep is going through a hard time? Which sheep is struggling with a bad leg? Which sheep is struggling with this? A good shepherd knows that. A good shepherd knows the joys of each sheep. Okay? I mean, they would know exactly about that sheep and what, what would bring that sheep joy. A good shepherd knows the, tempered, the temperament of each sheep. I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but again, for us, maybe the best comparison is to think about somebody who loves a dog a lot. Maybe you got a friend, and she absolutely loves her dog. She is going to know that dog, not just name, but going to know that joy, the temperament, the weakness, the struggles. Where is that dog tempted to get in str- Right, you think about the way somebody knows their dog if they really love their dog. That's the way a shepherd was with the sheep. A good shepherd knows his sheep. 
And what we're going to see with each one of these things is Jesus just explodes them out. Jesus is our shepherd. Just explodes them. The good shepherd Jesus knows us. And what I want us to think about is the fact that he knows us better than we know ourselves. The Bible says that, that I, I can't know myself. My heart is deceitful above all things. The Bible says I don't know myself as well as Jesus knows me. I don't know why I do what I do as well as Jesus knows why I do what I do. Jesus says this in John ten fourteen. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know. And that word know is as full of knowledge as you can have. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Jesus says, I absolutely know my sheep. The good shepherd, he knows us. And, and, and just think about that. He knows our names. Again, all those things. He knows our needs and struggles. Whatever you're going through, Jesus knows your pain. Whatever your struggle is, Jesus knows your hurt. He knows every tear you've ever cried. He knows every mistake you've ever made. He knows that and he loves you. He knows your hurts. He knows our joys. And he knows our temperaments. He knows everything about us. And that makes such a difference. If somebody's going to shepherd us, if somebody's going to lead us, we have to have a sense that that person knows us. We have to have a sense that that person cares about us enough to understand us. That they're not just putting us into the cookie-cutter thing. I've shared this before, but it's, it, it just fits so well here because it's the experience I think about. Some of you have heard that when I was 16 years old, I got my driver's license like many people do when they were 16. My dad was a car dealer, and so um, he needed people to drive cars. So I was willing when I was turned 16. I know, this is horrible. You can hate me for this. But when I turned 16, I got a new Camaro Z28 as a demonstrator, not to own, but just to drive, just to drive for a while. I got a brand new Z28. And, yeah, right, go ahead, hate me, I deserve it. <laughs> well, I was on Division Avenue going south of 84th Street, and you know how that road starts to curve if you've ever been on it? And, and I had just had a feeling the car was actually safer at higher speeds. <laughs> so I reached some higher speeds, and a police officer didn't think I was right. And so at that time, the system was that if you got a ticket when you were 16, you needed to go see an officer of the court. So my dad and I went down, and he ended up taking my license away for 30 days. That was probably more than fair. But what I'll never forget about that visit is, is, I mean, I sat down, he looked at this, and then he said, I'm going to take your license for 30 days. And then he, he put a finger in my face, and he said, I know just what you're like. I know kids just like you. You think you got the whole world in your, play, in your hands. You think the rules don't apply to you. You think you're above everybody else. Let me tell you, you better learn or you're going to be back in here again. And I thought, you, you don't know me. All you know is I drove 85 miles an hour. Well, all you know is I, I drove too fast and I was driving a new car. And you made this whole set of assumptions about me, about what kind of a kid I was, that I was a spoiled brat, and I, you know, that I, I thought I was better than everybody else, and I, all these things. And I, maybe you'll say that he was right, but he didn't know me. He didn't know my joys. He didn't know my struggles. He didn't know my heart. He didn't know what I was like. And I thought, how, how does this guy... And I, I didn't say any of it, of course, because he's got authority, 
And so you just, that's what sheep do. I was a sheep. He was the shepherd. I said, yes, sir. But I thought, you don't know me. You claim that you know me. You don't know me. And then I think, Jesus knows me. And he knows me better than I know myself. And he knows my brokenness. And he knows where I am wrong. But he also knows my hurts and my fears. That's a shepherd you can trust. It's a shepherd you can put your life in his hands. That's a shepherd that you want to have take care of you. Because he absolutely knows us better than we know ourselves. Good shepherd knows the sheep. Jesus knows us. How are we doing with knowing those that we lead? Second, this is the, the main one, I think, the, the most important one for Jesus. A good shepherd puts the needs of the sheep ahead of his own. Okay, a good shepherd puts the needs of his sheep ahead of his own. Even though that he's the shepherd, he's the boss, he has the authority. The idea of servant leadership is not one that came around 30 years ago. It's not one that Jesus came up with. The idea of servant leadership started when God said leaders are shepherds. Because shepherds, good shepherds, put the needs of the sheep in front of them. A good shepherd is going to make sure that all of the sheep are in the pen, that all of the sheep have been watered, that all of the sheep are safe before that shepherd goes and makes dinner for herself or himself. A good shepherd is going to make sure that the sheep get what they need. A good shepherd is not going to say, it's too cold to go out. And so I don't care if you need more food. I don't want to go out, so you're not going out. A good shepherd says, no, it's not about me. Good Shepherd says, it's not about me, it's about the sheep. It's about you, it's about the others around. And Jesus kind of touches on this, and then he says, you know what, you've got to understand, hired hands, and that's what he's calling some of, the, some of the religious leaders, just hired hands, they're in it for the money. He said, hired hands won't do this. Hired hands, those who are in it just for themselves, won't put the needs of the sheep first. Verses 12 and 13, he says this, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he does see the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And as soon as it gets tough, that, that hired hand just walks away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Real shepherds, real parents, real small group leaders recognize it's not about me. It's about the needs of the sheep. Hired hands don't do that. Shepherds will do better than hired hands. I, I want you to think about this with me because it, it's kind of, I, I mean, a hired hand is going to run as soon as the wolf shows up. A shepherd's going to stick around maybe for a little longer, right? A shepherd's going to be like, no, I've got to try to protect the sheep. But at a certain point, the shepherd's going to say, I'm out of here. <laughs> the shepherd will go further, but the, and an, owner, an owner will go even further. Right, an owner might say, "I got to fight the bear. I got to fight the sheep. I'm going to do that. I'm going to. I'm going to risk my health. I'm going to risk this in order to protect the sheep." An owner will go even further. But here's what we need to understand about Jesus. Again, he explodes this wide open. Jesus explodes this wide open in the love that is crazy. Okay, I want you to think about with a love that is crazy, because the good shepherd Jesus goes further. He lays down his life. He lays down his life. For the sheep. He lays down his life for us. He doesn't just risk his life. He lays it down. I am the good shepherd. John ten eleven. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's 
the heart of a good shepherd. A good shepherd is somebody, good pastor, good parent, good small group leader, somebody who's willing to lay down his life for the sheep, who's willing to die for the sheep. Jesus is not just talking about caring for the sheep, but about sacrificing himself for the sheep and about dying and and, and laying his life down for them. Jesus does that, and, and he says, I do this willingly. I choose to do this. No one takes it from me, my life, my life, but I lay it down of my own accord. I want you to try to grasp this. I've been trying to think about this and what it means for, for us to understand this, to understand how loved we are, how much Jesus gives for us. Let's go back to our friend with a dog. Let's, 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 she loves her dog. But let's make the dog a not good dog. It's a bad dog. It's a dog that bites people. It's a dog that attacks people who are going through the neighborhood. You kind of had a dog like that. (laughs) Let's make it a bad dog. And then let's have animal control come over. And animal control finally gets to the place where you say, you got to put the dog down. Our friend, she loves her dog. This is bad news. This is the worst news in the world. So now, imagine this. You can imagine, I think... It might be a little crazy, but you could imagine your friend saying, I love my dog so much, I'm going to build a $10,000 wall. If I do that, can my dog still live? I will spend $10,000, and I will just do that because I love my dog so much. You can imagine somebody doing that. We're in the little crazy zone already, right? But you could imagine somebody doing that. You can imagine somebody saying, I'll pay for therapy for my dog. If that, I'll, I'll do that. I'll move to another state if that will help me do this. I'll move to a new piece of property, but I love my dog. But I'll tell you this, there is one thing that you would not allow your friend to do, and that is to say, kill me so my dog can live. Right? I mean, the state would say, you're nuts. We'd all say, excuse me, you're a human. Yeah, I know this is a dog, and it's a beautiful dog, and a wonderful dog, and you love your dog, but it's a dog. You don't die for your dog. I don't care how much you love your dog. You don't die for your dog, but Jesus dies for us. (laughs) And he's God and we're sheep. And we're bad dogs. (laughs) And, And this is absolutely nuts. I mean, I don't think we, just think about it. Can you imagine a shepherd saying, I will die for the sheep? Excuse me, it's a sheep. Can you imagine a person saying, I will die for my dog? Excuse me. You may love your dog. You may spend $100,000 on your dog. But do not die for your dog. And yet the Son of God says, I'm going to die for Ron. I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to die for you. Do you have a clue? Just stop and think about this. Do you have a clue of how much Jesus loves you? Do you have a clue of how crazy his love for you is? He created us. He owns us. And then he said, and I will die for my sheep. That's beyond a good shepherd. That's a crazy shepherd, but it's a crazy shepherd in love. And that's how much he loves you. He does this willingly. He says, Father, take me and leave them. And it gives us two things I want you to be chewing on, thinking about this week from here. You can choose one of the other bones to chew on, but this is one I think that is so at the center. And and there are two things I'd encourage you to think about with this. First is this. What am I giving my heart and life to? 
you see, I think what breaks Jesus' heart, Jesus gets angry at religious shepherds who take advantage of people, but what breaks Jesus' heart is you and I being so foolishly sheep that we keep following shepherds that are going to chew us up and spit us out. We keep giving our lives to things that are going to just chew us up and spit us out. We give our lives to our careers, and at the end of the day, when we're no longer productive, that career is gone. We give our lives to people who, in the end of the day, as soon as we're not of use to them, we're going to be gone. We give our lives to to money, and at the end of the day, that money is going to spit us out. We give our hearts to so many things. We are so foolish as sheep. We follow so many things. We give our lives to people who abuse us. We give our lives, and we spend our time hungering for the love of a shepherd who will never love us. When we've got the good shepherd, when we've got Jesus Christ who stands in front of us and says, I will lay down my life for you. I died for you, and yet I choose to to run after the shepherd of fame. Make me important. Make me feel good. The pleasure of the the shepherd of pleasure. I just want to, and I think it breaks God's heart to see us continually, continually chase after shepherds. What are you giving your heart and life to? What's at the center of your life? Seriously, if you looked at your time, if you looked at your treasures, if you looked at, 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 at all the stuff that you have and that you do, what's most important to you? And then ask yourself, would that thing or that person die for me? Because only Jesus will. And it breaks his heart. It breaks its heart. And then the other part of that, of laying down life. Again, this is so unbelievably radical that the shepherd does this for the sheep. It's not good shepherding on one level. Am I willing to lay down my life, my needs and my rights for the people I shepherd? Chew on that one. As a parent, are you dying for your kids or are you making your kids serve you? Are you putting their needs first? Now, I know there are times when we need to be refilled. Jesus took time to pray, okay? He took time to be refreshed and so on, okay? And so it's not child abuse if you do. But at the end of the day, is your life more about them or about yourself? If you lead a small group, do you do so because you feel good leading it or because you want those people in it to grow? If you work with high school students, is it because, hey, I want to tell them what to do, I want to get this off my chest onto theirs, or is it because I want to learn to know them and I want to serve them? How you doing? What kind of a shepherd are you? What kind of a teacher are you? What kind of a leader are you? Join me in chewing on that. It makes us wonder sometimes. A good shepherd knows the sheep. A good shepherd puts the needs of the sheep ahead of his own or her own. And then third, and this one was confusing for me for a while in the last couple of weeks, but a good shepherd comes back for a sheep. Sometimes the good shepherd has to leave. Sometimes a good shepherd has to go away, has to be gone for a time. But the good shepherd comes back. Good shepherd doesn't just say, well, the sheep are on their own now. I'm injured, I'm in the hospital, I'm going to change jobs, I'm going to get out of this. It's just too tough for me now. A good shepherd comes back, and Jesus explodes that. 
He says this, John 10, 17 and 18, the reason my father loves me is that I laid down my life. Not that the father didn't love the son before that, but the, he, he loves me because my heart is like his, because God is a giver. God lays down his life, and I lay it on my life. And then these words, only to take it up again. I lay it down only to take it up again. Jesus is saying, I'm going to rise again. And, and part of the reason the father loves Jesus, part of the reason he's such a good shepherd, is not that he just dies for his sheep, but he comes back to love his sheep again. He rose again so that he could be with us. He rose again so that he could take care of us. He says, I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father, a good shepherd comes back for the sheep. And even after the sheep have bit him, even after the sheep have caused him damage, the good shepherd comes back and Jesus comes back and he died for us, but he also rose again to be with us. The good shepherd came back to us. He rose again and he is with us to shepherd us. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Good Shepherd has come back to be with us, and he will bring us to the ultimate in green pastures and still waters. I hadn't really thought about the resurrection in that way. But I think what Jesus is talking about here is saying, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back. Again, it's sort of what I've been tempting and easy for Jesus to say, well, I died, now I'm going to rise again, and I'm going to be on my own. You guys did that to me once. The shepherd comes back knowing that the sheep are going to still be the same in so many ways. And I think about that. Jesus dies for me, and then he says, but Ron, now I'm going to walk with you. Even when you make mistakes, even when you blow it, even when you sin, even when you're selfish, I'm going to stay with you. That's a crazy shepherd. (laughs) But that's a shepherd who loves the sheep. And that's the good shepherd. And when we think about how we shepherd others, I think this is true. But when we put the needs of others first, and it kills us, Jesus raises us up when we die as we shepherd others. Not literally raises us from the dead, though he can and one day he will. But if you are a parent, a small group leader, a pastor, and you genuinely love your people, you will die. But Jesus will raise you up. He will be with you to give you strength. We're foolish, defenseless, stubborn sheep. But Jesus knows us. He gave his life for us. He rose again for us. Will we trust him? There's no other shepherd like that out there. There's nobody else you can trust with your life with your heart, with your tears. So once again this morning, I want to invite you to say, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, to just say, thank you for loving me. And I want to be your sheep. And I want you to be my shepherd. Let's pray together. Father, You give us the most amazing shepherd ever. And yet we can sometimes be so foolish. We can run after things that are going to just fade and rust or chew us up and spit us out. So once again this morning, draw us to the heart of the good shepherd. Draw us to Jesus. And let us know how much we are loved. 
We pray this in his name. Amen. Jesus is amazing, and we close with a word of praise, a doxology. Let's stand and sing together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And following our service, there will be some folks in the prayer room if you'd like to talk with somebody or pray with somebody. People of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ goes with you. Amen.